0: Well, you may be seated, and that was some great worship, and we're coming back at the end of the message for some worship. Thank you for entering into that. How many of you believe Jesus is worthy of all praise, all glory? Jesus ought to be worshiped, and uh, the Bible, I was thinking about it this morning while I was praying, and just asking that God would just especially... Uh, anoint every part of the service, the worship, the message, all the ministries to the kids and to the students. And I just say, God, as we worship you today, let us worship you in spirit and in truth, with our heart, with our soul, with our mind. Let every part of us be engaged and given to you the glory that you deserve. And that's what we want to do. And so thank you for entering into that. We'll come back and we'll do a song here in just a little while. So I uh, wanted to share that with you. Thank you for being with us today. And we want to just welcome you. It's good to see the church family. We'll welcome those who are joining us online right now. And uh, always good to see you. It's good to have our new friends that are with us as well. And if you're new to our church, we're so glad you're here. And we want you to feel welcomed, and we want you to feel right at home, and we want you to feel loved and valued. We're so delighted that you are here with us today. And uh, if you're brand new, Uh, I'd love, even if you're newer and I've not met you, I'd love to meet you. If you're brand new, certainly I've not met you before. I'd love to be able to do that. And uh, if you'd just take a moment, and it would only be a moment at the conclusion of the service out at that uh, big blue tent out front. We call it Guest Central. If you would stop by there, uh, we'd love to be able to meet you personally. And if you're a first-time guest, guest, let our our team know. And they've got a little gift that they want to give to you just as our way of saying thank you for being here with us. I'm going to need, I know the guys are going to do that by faith. I know they're going to bring that little podium over here because I'm going to need that in just a moment. By faith, I believe. I believe God is speaking to their hearts right now to bring that little podium over here in just a moment. Uh, so th- thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate you doing that. Thank you, Randy. Um, The other thing I want to mention is the afternoon event. You received that little handout when you came, and so that's going to be this afternoon. It starts at 5, and it will go to 7.30, and we mentioned all the water slides and the dunk tank and cornhole, volleyball, spike ball, a mechanical bull gig. I know we've got that primarily for you. And it's uh, just a lot of great things. And then the food is going to be amazing. They're going to be grilling hot dogs and hamburgers. There's going to be pulled pork sandwiches, grilled sausage. There's going to be corn, uh, grilled corn. Now, how many of you, this really sounds good to you, grilled corn, and then they have like these vats of real butter, and they just sort of dip it in there just before they give it to you. How many of you can say that's God's will right there? That's a, a sense God's will, and all of that. And that'll be this afternoon. But I want to I want to help you by uh, encouraging you to go ahead and getting your uh, grill bucks right after the service. My dear friends Gary and Amy are going to be out there at the table, and uh, if you go ahead and get your grill bucks today, like this morning, I promise you the line this morning will be much shorter than the line this afternoon. So on the back of that is a map and everything. So check that out. And, uh, I hope that you'll come out and be a part of that. I really, really do. It's going to be a great, great time. Um, I want to just say thank you to all the church family for being faithful in your giving and honoring God and continue to make God a priority of your life. And thank you for doing that. Thank you for being faithful. And by now, I, you, you could say this as easily as me. By now, you know that there's uh, essentially three ways to give text to give. You can do that. Uh, Most people give online. We probably have 70% of our church that gives online uh, these days, or you can just, if you want to, uh, the ushers will have a bucket there at the end of the service. You can just drop it in. Uh, Be sure that you mark it on the envelope, and so you can do it uh, that way as well, but uh, seriously, thank you for being so faithful. Thank you for honoring God, and God owns it all, doesn't he? And uh, we want to be faithful with it. Well, today we land on our fourth and final message of our series. If you're a note taker, I promise you want to get ready. If you're not a note taker, you may want to consider it today. Because there are some things that we're going to talk about that is going to be extraordinarily encouraging to you. And so I'm so glad that you're a part of this service and just doing a lot of study and a lot of research. There's things that I've, I've learned And a lot of what I've learned, uh, I want to be able to share with you and communicate with you in these next few moments as we talk about angels. In fact, we're going to predominantly spotlight these two things concerning angels. All right. First of all, what are angels? I think it would be good to go ahead and establish that. By the way, I forgot to dismiss the middle school students. You guys can slip out if you're a middle schooler, if not done that yet. But what are angels And then secondly, we're going to talk about this. What do angels actually do? All right, what are they? What are they? But then we need to take it a step further and talk about what do angels do? Now, I I know that a lot of you think that you're really angelic already. You are angelic. And we'll be talking to your family later about that to see if we can substantiate that or not. I can remember when I was 16 years of age, I got a job uh, at... The hospital near where I lived in the suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I was 16, and uh, I was, uh, you know, in the 11th grade, and uh, graduated when I was 17. So I'm 11th grade. And I worked in the X-ray department on the three to eleven shift. I'd go to school and then I'd go to work and work three to eleven, Monday through Friday, and uh, never been afraid of work. And it was a lot of work up until about nine o'clock, but after nine o'clock, the X-ray department at this particular hospital where I worked, it, it would just it, it would be so quiet. And in the X-ray department, which was sort of set off from a lot of the other departments, it would be after nine. Uh, you know, 3 to 9. I don't know what happened prior of 3. 3 to 9, it was, like, really, really busy. But about 9, that last two hours, it was really, really quiet. And it was very dark back in the x-ray department. No rooms were any darker than the two dark rooms that we had where we would develop film. And that was my job to develop the x-rays, to go and get the patients, and then I would develop the film. Occasionally, I would do surgery if necessary. But uh, primarily, it was developing x-rays And uh, transporting patients. Now, I just happened to know that it was after 9 o'clock when everything was quiet and dark when uh, housekeeping. Uh, would come in and they would clean the X-ray department. And uh, Janelle, it was her responsibility. Janelle was in her 40s or 50s, and I knew her schedule. I'd worked there long enough. I knew where Janelle. I just sort of knew her movements. Uh, same lady would do it Monday through Friday, so I got to know her, and uh, we were we were friends. She was much older than I, but we were friends. We knew each other, and so. But I knew her movements in cleaning the X-ray department. So one night I got this really inspired idea that maybe I should get in a dark room, like the dark room, not just all the rooms were dark, but especially the dark rooms where the films were developed. I knew she would be coming in there to empty out the trash. And so I thought that this would be my best opportunity to be angelic. So I went over to the cart where they keep these white hospital sheets. How many of you are with me already? And I went into this dark room and I crawled up on the counter and I put that sheet over my entire body. And I'm standing there I knew that in a matter of moments because as I mentioned I knew her schedule. I knew that Janelle would be coming in and I couldn't see her because of the sheet, but I heard her come in and I raised my hands to the glory of God and she cut loose. And it it was amazing. It was wonderful. In every way, it was wonderful. Now, looking back, because I was thinking about that incident this week, looking back on it now, I have two observations from that. Observation number one, Janelle was never convinced I was an angel standing in that dark room with that sheet. She never thought, hey, she had come into the presence of an angel. Thinking back, observation number two, when Janelle finally stopped screaming, the language that came out of her mouth was not angelic. That's all I'm going to say about that. And I felt a little bit bad at that, at that point. Angels have been created by God as supernatural, primarily invisible beings, and they are active all over the world doing God's will. Even as I'm standing right here talking, I look to my left and I see an esteemed professor from Southeastern University, Dr. Charles Estrich, who I had for a lot of theology classes and a guy that all of you know, Dr. Bill Hackett. And I'm just thinking that it, it suddenly feels slightly intimidating knowing that these, these scholars could be teaching this uh, w- with a lot more understanding than I could, but I'm going to give it my best effort. But angels have been created by God as supernatural, primarily invisible beings, and they're active all over the world, as I mentioned to you, uh, doing God's will. Now, here's what I know. You may, I know it may sound a little bit enticing, a little bit interesting to you, but you may not want to say, oh, I would just love to see an angel. I know it sounds good. I I know it sounds, you know, like wonderful and incredible, but I would just encourage you to not have this mentality that says, oh, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if I could just personally see an angel? Because this is what I want to suggest to you, that if you ever really saw an angel, like a real angel, in all of their power and all of their splendor, you would immediately pass out. You'd be gone. How many of you believe that? If you saw a real angel, you would pass out. And, and quite honestly, once you woke up, you'd say, I need to hurry home and change my clothes because you you, you may have like... There, might have wet your pants. That's all I'm saying. I don't know if there's a a non-crass way to say that, but I'm telling you, it would be a lot more alarming and a lot more disturbing to you if you were to see like a real angel, again, in all their power and brilliance. If perhaps you have seen an angel, and I want you to hear this, if perhaps you have seen an angel, most likely the appearance would have resembled a human being. And you're saying, well, Jeff, how would you even arrive at that? And it's this verse in Hebrews that leads me to that conclusion. Now, I want you to look at this verse. Don't forget, look at this now, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without ever realizing it. And again, these scholars are seated right up here up front, and I think that they would consider. Concur that if we saw like an angel in the fullness of what an angel, the power, and we're going to come to this, would be, we we would be staggered by that. So, if we probably have had any interactions with like real angels before, it it may have been more slightly this way. So, let's talk about this for just a few moments. Again, if you're a note taker, you're going to want to get this down. If you're not, this may be a good Sunday to start becoming one. First of all, we're going to talk about. What are angels? And I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you three things right here. Number one, angels are worshipers. Angels are worshipers. Most often when you find angels in proximity to God or Jesus, they are worshiping. In fact, i want to take you back to Hebrews again. Be sure you get this first down in your notes. This is Hebrews chapter one this time. Look at verse six. It's here on the screen when God was about to send his firstborn son into the world, look at what God says about his firstborn son. He said, all of God's angels must worship him. Let all of God's angels worship him. Now here's something that maybe you've not thought about in quite some time. Did you, did you know that in heaven, I want you to think about this. This is powerful to me when I consider this, that in heaven there's this round-the-clock, never-ceasing, unending worship of God that just is around the clock. Revelation 5, 11 and 12. Here's two verses you'll want to get in your notes as well. Look at these two verses. Then I looked and I heard the voice of... What's the language there? All right, thank you. All four of you. How about the rest of you? Did you see it? Then I looked and I heard the voice of... Many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 uh, times 10,000. How many of you know, without even thinking about it, because you're like a math genius, how many of you know if you were to just take this literally 10,000 times 10,000, do you know, do you know how, what that number is? 10,000 times 10,000, and you mathematicians can correct me after the service, but I'm quite sure that's 100 million. So you just think about just never ending, uh, encircling the throne of God, if this were to be taken literally, and I'm not saying that it should, it would be a representation of a hundred million angels. And that's not even talking about those who have been dispersed to go to all of the earth. And what did they do? They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They were saying, worthy is the lamb. Who's the lamb? Jesus is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Angels are Worshippers, And if you happen to be here last week, you know that we talked about the devil and we talked about Satan and demons and what an enormous contrast that we find between that and what we're talking about in God's angels in good angels who long to worship God. And that's what angels do. They are worshipers. They worship God. They worship Jesus. And quite the contrast to Lucifer, the devil, as we mentioned last week, who actually wanted to overthrow and dethrone God. So angels are worshipers. Number two, be sure you get this down. Angels are warriors. Angels are warriors. Have you ever noticed some portrayals of angels? Have you? You can Google this sometime. Uh, you just Google angels, and you know what? And again, it's sort of the imagery, and we've seen portrayals of this. Uh, oftentimes, when people think of angels, they think of these little, these little baby, naked, holding harps, little wings on their back kinds of angels. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's what a lot of people. All these these cute little infants, um, you know, these little innocent little angels. A- in fact, I was uh, telling my aunt Judy yesterday, a lot of my family, which I should probably pause because I haven't done this in a while and thank Aunt Judy, Uncle Bill, uh, Uncle Ronnie, Aunt Penny, Uncle Bill and Aunt Helen and the other family members that watch each week. But I was having this conversation with uh, my Aunt Judy and I said to her tomorrow, I I knew they'd be watching the service. I said, I'm going to be talking about angels. And she said, well, we won't miss it. And And I just gave her a little bit of an overview and she said, Jeff, I remember one time when Mom, who was Mamaw, you've heard me talk about Mamaw, and how many of you know, if you've ever had it like a, this praying grandmother, that's a wonderful thing, and I probably took it uh, for granted way too often. But uh, my Aunt Judy said that one time she had called uh, Mamma. she had grown and married and such, and I think my uncle was traveling, I, I don't remember all of the circumstances and details, but she said she was really, really, really frightened. And uh, she said, so I called mom, and I said, mom, I'm just really afraid tonight, and uh, I just want you to pray. I just want you to pray for my protection. I think what had happened, there had been a robbery in their neighborhood, and now my uncle's traveling. He's on the road, and she just happened to be frightened that night. Well, when she said, would you pray for God's protection over me tonight, how many of you, how many of you can imagine a grandmother that just cut loose and started praying heaven down? And, and Judy said, this is how Memo was praying in her words this is what she was praying. she was saying and man she just she turned it loose she was calling on God and she was like, God I'm asking you tonight you know that Judy is afraid and I'm asking you to send your warrior angels, your biggest angels, your warrior angels, not your naked little baby angels, send the big ones, send the warriors And that's how Memo was praying. Well, there's this time, and I wish I had more time to get into this, but again, doing the research side for this talk, I remember this occasion when an angel of the Lord was sent to the Assyrian army. And I'm like, wow, that is, that's like pretty over the top, what this angel does. But then I started looking at the Assyrians at this particular time in history, and, and to say that they were ruthless and torturous is a massive understatement. I started looking at what was involved with the Assyrians. And when you look up and you start reading some of the history of that, the Assyrians were cool people. Uh, They would do things such as they would cut off. I mean, they would just randomly cut off people's limbs. They would gouge out their eyes, if you can imagine the Assyrians were known for mass executions. They would take, in, in fact, they would, they would carve this uh, historically when they look back, and there would be images where they would take people, you know, that they would carve, and they would, it was known, a known practice, but they would carve these images of what they had done to people which would take a person while they were alive and impale their body on these massive states. They were known for decapitations. Probably worst of all, the Assyrians would, were known because they would, they would uh, burn little children alive. And God reaches a point. How many of you know God reaches a point where he says, that's enough? That's enough. You want to see a warrior angel? I'll show you. You need to check this out. Maybe you like Reddit and I'm like, I'm not even sure why all this went down. Look at this. Second Kings 19. That night, the angel. Notice this. It's not, it's not even plural. It's an angel. An angel. That night, the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185 Assyrian soldiers. How many of you know that's a warrior? That's a warrior. How powerful are angels? They are warriors. They're not only worshipers, they are warriors. Referring back to last week, remember this? Revelation chapter 12, look at verses 7 and 8 here on the screen. Then there was war in heaven. Uh, and uh, just look at this. Michael and his angels. And we know that God was involved, but God's not mentioned here. Michael and his angel fought against who? Dra- who is the dragon? Satan. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. Satan and his angels are demons. And the dragon lost the battle and he and his angels were forced. How many of you know this powerful? Michael has his angels and they align themselves against Satan and the demons and they overpower them and they force them out of heaven. Angels are worshipers, but angels are also warriors. Here's the third thing. I want you to be sure that you get this down. Angels are messengers. They are messengers. Throughout the Bible, you find these distinct occasions when God would send an angel on assignment for the express purpose of delivering a message. And you can see all kinds of examples. I'll mention a couple. What about Gideon? Here Gideon is, and they have been invaded by the Midianites, and it's causing all kinds of violence and destruction to Gideon and his people. And the people, including Gideon, are terribly afraid because of this invasion. In fact, Gideon is hiding. You'll see this. This is Judges chapter 6. Look at verses 11 and 12, uh, talking about angels being messengers. Gideon was threshing some wheat secretly. Why? In a wine press, and you'll see why. So that the Midianites would not see him. Again, they're causing devastation, violence everywhere. Look at this next part, verse 12. Then the Lord's angel appeared to him there, and he had a message from God for Gideon. Gideon The Lord is with you, brave and mighty man. And at that moment, he's probably thinking like, I'm not feeling too brave. I'm not feeling like a mighty man. Didn't you notice I was hiding in this wine press, you know, threshing grain because I'm afraid. I'm hiding from the Midianites. And God sends a message. Gideon, you're not alone. You're not by yourself. And then the greatest example of all. God is about to send his son. He's about to send Jesus into the world. And he wants his son for only reasons that God knows. He wants his son, if you can imagine the different ways that Jesus could have made entrance into this world, but God wants his son to be delivered to the human race by means of a physical birth. So God sends an angel on assignment as a messenger TO A YOUNG VIRGIN GIRL BY THE NAME OF MARY, AND I WANT YOU TO KNOW THAT THIS IS SO POWERFUL TO ME, AND HOW MANY OF YOU KNOW THAT YOU CAN LOOK AT LUKE CHAPTER 1, EVEN THOUGH IT'S NOT THE MONTH OF DECEMBER, I WANT YOU TO SEE THIS, THEN THE ANGEL SAID TO HER, DON'T BE AFRAID, MARY, A MESSENGER, GOD HAS BEEN GRACIOUS TO YOU, YOU WILL BECOME PREGNANT AND GIVE BIRTH TO A SON, AND YOU WILL NAME HIM JESUS. What are angels? I want you to be sure you understand this. Uh, Many of you are going to know more about angels after these next few moments than you've ever known before. What are angels? Angels are worshipers. Anytime you see them in proximity to God or Jesus, they are worshiping. Angels are warriors. They're not cute little naked baby angels, as Mamma would say, with harps and wings. They are warriors, and they carry out the purposes of God according to God's will, and they are also messengers sent by God to provide a message. Oftentimes, of hope and inspiration to somebody that may be going through a troublesome time now let's talk about what do angels do you ready wave at me if you're ready i work really hard on this if you're not ready i'm gonna be disappointed are you ready all right number one i'm gonna give you three things here angels provide guidance and direction angels provide guidance and direction you're all "All right you're gonna have to show me this and i'll give you a couple examples i could give you more but i gotta keep it moving We just mentioned Mary, and at the time that God sends an angel as a messenger to Mary, Mary is actually engaged, and most of you know this if you grew up in and around church, you know that she's engaged already to this really, really good guy by the name of Joseph. And so now Mary, she's just like, I wasn't looking for this, I wasn't asking this, and this angel has a message, and you know God's favor is upon you. You're going to give birth to it, and she's like, but I'm just a virgin, I know, but you're going to give birth to a son, you're going to name him Jesus, and me. This is, but here's here's the uniqueness of this. Now she's got to have an unanticipated conversation with Joseph that she had never thought that she'd had have in her entire life. Have you ever had to have a conversation with somebody and, and you're like, I've got to do it, but I really don't want to do it. Have you, ever, have you ever had that? I need to say something difficult to somebody and it's not going to be easy for me and it's not going to be, it's certainly not going to be easy for them, but nevertheless, I need to do it. And so that was Mary and she goes to Joseph and she says, take a seat. I need to share something with you. Joseph, I'm pregnant. And how many of you can only imagine his reaction to that? If she had asked him to be seated, he would jump straight to his feet. What? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? I'm going to have a baby. And then she lays out the story how that God sent an angel as a messenger to share this with him. Joseph is absolutely mortified, to say the least. He loves Mary in this unimaginable kind of way. That's why they're going to get married. But he cannot, and we can stand on the side of Joseph, and and we can feel what he feels. He cannot believe this outlandish explanation. Mary's over here. I've never had sex with a man. That's it, period. I'm a virgin. I was a virgin when you met me. I'm a virgin now, but I'm pregnant. I'm going to give birth to a baby. Joseph is like, how can you? I was born at night, Mary, but it wasn't last night. How many of you are with me? You know, it wasn't last night. And, and I'm not buying this, and he doesn't until God sends an angel to give guidance. I want you to look at this. Matthew 120. While Joseph was thinking about all this, how many of you know he had a lot to think about? This just sort of wrecked his plans. While Joseph was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord came to him in a dream. The angel said, going to give him some direction, going to give him some counsel, going to tell him what to do. Joseph, the baby that Mary will have is from the Holy Spirit. In other words, the whole story she laid out for you, it is true. Go ahead and marry her. And how many of you know what Joseph does? He went ahead and he married her. Why? Because an angel at that point in time had provided Joseph with the guidance and direction that he absolutely needed. Now, you've heard of Mary and Joseph, but I'm going to throw out a name from the Old Testament. Perhaps you've not heard this name, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about his story because God's going to send an angel as well. This guy's name is Balaam. And Balaam had this nice little faithful donkey that he'd get on and ride around. You know, his his car was in the shop, so he resorted to riding around on his donkey. But most people did. If you had wealth or means, you had a donkey. Otherwise, you'd just walk. And he had enough He had enough resources that he had a donkey, a faithful little donkey. And uh, one morning he gets up, he's going to saddle up his donkey and he intends to go to a place where God does not want him to go. I don't have, again, time to get into the whole story, but he is being coached by a group of people uh, to go and to curse the Israelites, that's what he's being asked to do. I want you to go and curse the Israelites. And, and how many of you know the Israelites were God's covenant people? And how many of you know you don't mess with the Israelites? And so he's being coached to go and, and curse them. I want you to look at this. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite officials. He's been summoned to go and curse the Israelites. But God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. Look at this next part. When the donkey saw, isn't this amazing? The the donkey saw the angel, but but Balaam didn't. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. And that's what happened. He's like, Come on, faithful little donkey, we're going for a ride today. And he's going to go with these Moabite officials, and they've summoned him to go and curse the Israelites. God said, That ain't going to happen. And God is angry about it. You saw the language. God is angry about it. He saddles up his faithful little donkey. He says, let's go. Giddy up. And so he's on this little donkey, and he's riding along. He doesn't see this fierce angel of the Lord, this warrior. and uh, But the donkey does, and he's like, T-t-t-t-t-t. and then he's like, T-t-t-t-t-t-t. and he goes off into a field. You check this out on your own. This this to me, there's a humorous side. You think God doesn't have a sense of humor. You're about to see that God has a sense of humor. So this little donkey just runs off into a field, just off into the field. Balaam gets all out and he just beats the daylights out of this little donkey. And God's watching and God doesn't want him treating his little donkey like this. So Balaam's like, I taught you a lesson. He gets back on and so he starts giddy up and he's just, you know, because everybody says giddy up to a a donkey, right? (laughs) Giddy up, let's go, let's go, let's go, you know, breaking that speed and so he's riding again and so again, this little donkey's able to see the angel of the Lord drawn sword in his hand. And he takes another detour. What does Balaam do? Gets off that. He's like, I told you, and he just, he just, and it makes God mad. The donkey does it like it, obviously. And he just starts beating, just beating, 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 beating. And the more he beats on that little donkey donkey, the angrier that God gets. Balaam's like, he's learned his lessons now. I don't know what's up with this faithful little donkey of mine. He gets back on it, giddy up. Let's go. And he's riding this donkey. Donkey sees the angel of the Lord again. This time, he doesn't turn into a field. He doesn't take another detour. He just lays down with Balaam on his back. This time, Balaam loses his mind, and he starts wearing out. He just starts beating the daylights out of this for a third time, just beating this little donkey. Now, this is not on the screen, but if you think that our great God does not have a sense of humor, I want you to just listen to verse 28. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. How many of you know that's good? This verse right here, I ought to claim my life verse because it's encouraged. If God could open one donkey's mouth, he can open another donkey's mouth. And that encourages me. So he opened the donkey's mouth, and when he opens the donkey's mouth, the donkey literally starts talking in language he can understand and and you know what the donkey the donkey turns around and this is what the donkey says to balaam he tur- i mean he is talking his mouth is moving how many of you are old enough to remember mr ed a horse is a horse of course of course and and so he's pulling off a of mr ed right here and he's he turns around and he says why have you beat me these three times is, is that funny to you? Maybe I've just got a warped sense of humor. But the donkey, why have you beat me these three times? You want me to tell you something that's even funnier than that? Verse 29 to me is even funnier than that. Balaam answered the donkey. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you why. And he's not even getting it. He's not even getting it. Why have you been beating me these three times? Well, let me, and it doesn't even dawn on him. He is having a conversation with a donkey. But he is. Now, what does that cause us to consider? I want you to listen to this. This is a teaching moment, and you cannot afford to miss it. God loves you so much that at times he will do everything he can to block your way. You with me? He'll obstruct your path. You'll say, "Nope, um, nope." In Balaam's case, you know, I know, I know, I shouldn't. And, but they're just making the offer too good, and they want me to go and curse the Israelites. And I just, you know, this one-time exception. And and we're saying, "Well, God, I want to do this," and and we know we've got that little, you know, Holy Spirit conviction going on in life. But God, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do. God loves us so much, loves us so much, loves us so much that there are times in our life that He will obstruct our path because He wants to block and hinder us taking a detour that could be destructive to our life. And he's very extreme in the case of Balaam because he causes even a donkey to talk. So angels provide guidance and direction. Number two, angels arrange for your protection. I know what you're thinking. I know, I know, I know. Do I have a guardian angel? And so I'm going to sit down and let one of these Bible scholars address that. (laughs) Do I have a guardian angel? Well... I need to be clear on this, maybe you do. Maybe you don't. You're like, what do you mean? Because the scriptures, as far as I can tell, do not declare an outright yes that you have a singular guardian angel. But I think that what the scriptures do mention is even better than that. It's like God is saying, why would I isolate it and have only one angel? When I can provide an entire team of angels to watch over you, you say, Jeff, what do you get that from? Look at the Psalm 91 for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Command his angels, plural, concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They, they, not it, he, she, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Are you ready for this? You are not alone. Whether you have a guardian angel or a team of angels, you know, at the end of the day, this is just me. It really doesn't matter as long as God is sending his angels to protect me. How many of you are with me on that? If he wants to use one, thank God for one. If he wants to use a whole team of angels, that's even better. Listen, if I'm a quarterback and I'm out there on the field and I can have one lineman blocking for me, that's great. But how many of you know that it's better to have a center, two guards, and, uh, and a couple of tackles, and let's even pull the tight ends real close because I need all the help that I can get. How many of you know that whether God uses one or a team, that God is saying, I'm going to send my angels who are going to protect you. You are not alone. God himself is watching over you. And he has sent his angels to defend and protect you. You just think about that. Some of you need that encouragement today that there's every moment of your life that God is watching over you. God is watching over you. God is watching over you. And he's dispensing his angels to go and protect you and to watch over you. And I was thinking about that even while I was writing this out. I thought about recently when all the grandkids were there and Paisley, she's so young that she's got this little camera that whenever she's sleeping in her little crib, there's this little camera there. And then there's this little monitor. And so while she's asleep in her crib, you can walk by it any time that she's in there. And I did it numerous times. And I just walked by and I just look at that monitor and you'd see this sweet little baby girl just sound asleep. And it makes me think that's that's how God is. He's watching over us. And, and we were watching over Paisley. She's just laying there asleep. And I'd walk by and from time to time I'd just look. There she is. She's so sweet. She's sound asleep. Except one time, I do need to mention this, except one time I walked by and I looked at that camera, I didn't realize she was up from her little nap and Brody, Brody, who, who needs Jesus already at three, Brody had snuck somebody's phone, crawled his big behind up in her crib and was captivated by something. I said, this is not Paisley sound asleep. This is Brody laying in the crib watching a phone and I thought God's even watching over Brody. That boy, God is watching over you. Angels provide guidance and direction. Angels arrange for your protection. Thirdly and lastly, angels are sent by God to minister to you. How do we know this? Look at Hebrews 1.14. Are not, this, is, this is so good. You need to be sure. Some of you didn't even know this verse was in the Bible, but it's here. Are not all angels, all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? God sends his angels to provide guidance and direction. He sends his angels to provide for your protection. He sends his angels to minister to you and to help you and to strengthen you when you need it most. Elijah, does God really do that? He really does that. You know what was unique to me while working on this talk? That God, this is such an important thing to God, that God actually did this for his own son Jesus, sent angels to minister to Jesus just after Jesus had been tempted by the devil in the wilderness. Look at this verse on the screen, Matthew 4.11 Then the devil left Jesus. He had tried to tempt him three times, and Jesus would say, you know the story, it is written, it is written, it is written. He was quoting the scriptures, and the devil is like, hey, you know, there's no inroads here. He left, and then God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my angels. And he sent angels to minister to his own son, Jesus. I'll share with you one other occasion. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he knows the cross is before him. He has already prayed this prayer. Father, if it be possible, let this cup, let this suffering pass from me. Not my will, yours be done. And and Jesus, in essence, was saying this this road ahead. This is going to be difficult. And his humanity cries out, and he's like, in, in his humanity, because he's fully God, he's fully, God allowed him to assume upon himself this sense of humanity. And that's good for us. And in his humanity, he cries out, if it possible, this cup, so as those divine nature kicks in, he but not my will, your will be done. And he's t- it's an agonizing moment. You know how agonizing it was? You know, a lot of you know this, that it says Jesus was in such deep agony that there was sweat as of, the language is sweat as of drops of blood. And there's a medical terminology for that that I'll not even get into, but it is intensity at such an insane level that instead of there being like beads of sweat, there's like little pools of blood. That's how intense it is. I want you to look at Luke 22:43 At once, an angel from heaven was at his side doing what? Say it with me. Strengthening him. I want you to know as we wrap this up and get ready for our last worship song, because God loves you, because God loves you in a way, listen, you can't even, I can't even comprehend. He will move heaven and earth and send his angels to minister to you and to strengthen you. But I ask you right now, and I want you to deeply think about this. I don't want you to just pass through this like that. I don't want you to say, okay, yeah, transition, here we are. We're about to pray a song, go, hit the car, blah, blah, blah. I got the rest. No, no, no. I want you to just bring your mind fully, 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 fully into this moment because this is what I want to ask you. Where in your life do you need to be strong right now? Where in your life do you need God to send his angels to strengthen you? Where do, you be, where do you need to be strong that maybe you feel weak, maybe you feel vulnerable, and where do you need to be strong right now? Ask God to send his angels who will minister to you and strengthen you just like they did for Jesus. Can I ask you another question? It really flows out of everything that we've been talking about in these last few moments. In what areas of your life do you need supernatural guidance and direction? Maybe you've got a big decision you've got to make about your career. Maybe a big decision about school, your next step of education. Maybe a big family decision is looming. Maybe there's a financial decision you've got to make. And what areas do you need God to provide you? Not with your intellect, not with your wisdom. That's good. But sometimes we just need this supernatural impression that only God can provide us with wisdom and direction where we get up off of our knees and we say, Now, God, I have clarity about what it is you want me to do. Where do you need God to give you guidance and direction? One more question. Are you convinced? I mean, are you really convinced from your head to the tip of your toes that God has sent his angels to protect you? You don't need, listen, there's too many of you that are walking around in chronic fear and worry and anxiety. You just—it's just It's just like, and I know, I speak out of experience. You've heard my story. You heard me mention this recent, this last week, the very first verse that I memorized, for God has not given to me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. You know why I memorized that? Because I was living with this anxiety. I was afraid. I couldn't enjoy life. I was like paralyzed by fear. I couldn't function normally, and the enemy was harassing me. He couldn't hit me in all these other areas, so he found a way weak spot in my life. and Man, he hammered me in that area. Are you convinced from your head to your toes that God has sent his angels to protect you and watch over you? Just like I'd walk by and I'd look at that little monitor and I'd see my little granddaughter, so much sweeter than most grandkids scattered around the world. You know, I was kidding. And I'd look at her and I, I just think, man, my love for her, her parents' love for her, our love as a family for her doesn't even compare to God's love. And how many of you know God doesn't need a camera and a monitor? He sees all things. He knows all things. And he's watching over you to protect you. Would you stand to your feet right now? And just let me pray for you. And then we're going to worship God in a big way. In fact, I mentioned my little grandson, Brody, a moment ago. This is Brody's favorite song. He gets on the fireplace. When we sing it in church, he gets on the fireplace and he dances around and jumps around and he sings this song with us. So Brody, if you're watching, get ready for your song, buddy. But I want to pray for you right here, right now. How many of you, you need guidance in your life right now? You just need God to give you some wisdom. You need God to give you some guidance in some area of your life. How many of you, you find that you need an area? Maybe you're feeling weak. Maybe you're feeling vulnerable. Maybe you haven't felt that way, but you need God to give you strength in some area of your life. How many of you? That's you. You just need God to give you some strength right now. And God knows you, and He knows your need. How many of you You need to be convinced because you're struggling with fear and worry that God has sent His angels to protect you and to watch over you? Wave at me if you need to walk in that, knowing that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that your angels are worshipers. We thank you that your angels are warriors, that they are messengers, and that you intentionally send angels who provide us with direction. You send your angels, God, who strengthen us and minister to us. You send your angels, God, who protect us. Lord, whether we have a guardian angel or a team of angels, we're just thankful that you're serious about protecting us and watching over us. And for that, we want to give you praise today in Jesus name, in Jesus name. And everybody said, say it again. And everybody said, let's worship God in a big way. Let's do it.